thank you, uh, thank you for that. It was wonderful to be prayed for, and um, it's wonderful to to sing together in a building again, isn't it? So yeah, no, thank you, uh, thank you, Becky and the team. It was really wonderful. Um, congregational worship, coming together, singing in one voice is really, really important. Um, and yeah, we're lucky to have this building, and thank you to the URC for for hosting us here. It's it's just it's a fantastic um, privilege, and it's really, really important to be together. But um, this morning, what I wanted to speak about is the worship beyond the Sunday, which I know is, we talk about this a lot here at OCC, but I think it's, it's something that's really important and, and something that God's really putting on my heart. Um, there's times in my life, and I still do this today, when I'm just not focusing on God, where I relegate worship to a Sunday and sort of say, that's the time that I worship, that's what I do, and forget about the rest of the week. Or, you know, sometimes I'll put on some worship music as background music, but don't really pay attention or focus on, on the words at all. Um, and although it's fantastic to come together, um, what we're doing with Church Online and what God has managed to do through us through lockdown is, is just amazing. Every week we were praying before the service to say, come Holy Spirit and join us together communally, even though we're dispersed, even in different houses, let's pray to God to join us together through his Holy Spirit. And he absolutely came through with that. Um, this last 18 months was really, really difficult, but through that, through um, the time with God, we've had people come to, to know God for the first time. We've had people come in deepening their faith. Um, and now God's given us, as OCC, a renewed vision to reach the people of Stratford-on-Avon. It's really fantastic to see what God's doing. Um, and God moves in, the spite, in spite of our circumstances. So despite what else is going on in our lives, despite where we are with God, God is still on the move and God is still using us through that. And I want that to be the lens by which you uh, sort of hear my message this morning. God is always on the move and God can always do uh, amazing things through us. What I want us to think about this morning is our worship as a response to God. Everything we give to God is always because God gave to us first. It's always in a response. God always starts the conversation with us. And it's weird sometimes how I fall into the trap that I feel like my worship is actually starting something. I have this sort of weird sort of uh, mindset that it's me generating uh, my relationship with God and not the other way around. Walk into a, a Sunday morning and, uh, you know, I haven't had my coffee or I'm tired or whatever's going on and you know the worship feels flat and I'm not engaging with God and so I need to get out of my of my own head and into what God is is speaking to me and then eventually you know you warm up to the worship and you get into the spirit of things and and suddenly you know God's speaking to you um and in those moments is is I, I find it easy to think about that oh that was that was me that did that you know I was I started from here and now I've done this and now it's amazing um but the reality is, is that God was always there the entire time. I, I was just bothered. I bothered to notice and respond to him. It's all, all on me to respond to him and not, nothing that I'm actually generating myself. And if we think about those moments of when we're engaging with sung worship and we're looking at the words on the screen, all that we're doing to trigger that is just remembering what God has done for us and singing those words, proclaiming the truth of who God is. And suddenly it clicks for us and we remember and we, um, we experience what God has done for us and is continue to, doing, to continue to do for us. And we remember that God's our creator, God's our saviour, God's our redeemer. 
And our worship comes as a response to that. It says in 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. I want to slightly tweak that this morning and say we worship because God first loved us. It comes as a natural response. And I feel like when I'm in that sort of the moment of when I'm feeling really in touch with God and um, God's really speaking to me, my worship just becomes wow. That's all I can muster. That's all I can come up with. I'm in awe of what God has done for me, but I'm truly unable to express the sheer magnitude of that feeling and the sheer magnitude of God's love for me. And all I can say in response is wow. And sometimes that's worship at its best. That's what, what worship should be us totally bamboozled by God's love for us but that kind of love and the, the magnitude of what God has done for us deserves more than just a response on a Sunday morning when we're feeling it when we're in the mood when the worship's good it deserves our whole lives and that's something that I want to want to talk about this morning um, so yeah I'll be talking from uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 so if you want to turn to that while I grab a quick drink Romans 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and and perfect will of God. In this letter to the Romans, Paul is, is speaking to both Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And in the beginning of Romans, after, after Paul's kind of recapped what Jesus has done for them, he spent most of the letter trying to explain their oneness in Christ, despite their very, very different, their differences and their different paths to coming to know Jesus. So trying to join together two very dis- disparate groups of people. But here, Paul would be challenging kind of closely held beliefs on both sides. Both groups would be well-versed in offerings, sacrifices, and going to a temple. They would look very differently for both of those two groups of people. But for both, they would have had their normal lives and their spiritual lives very separate. And that kind of that language of offering and sacrifice would be reserved for, for holy days and special occasions, not something that they bring into their everyday lives. And whatever they're thinking, you know, whatever, they, whatever we're doing, let's try and just, uh, we, we, we can't sort of uh, tarnish what God's doing over here. Let's remove the, the muckiness of real life. God doesn't want that. God, God doesn't need that. Let's try and separate that as much as possible. And in that one model of worship that I brought this morning, where we reserve that for a Sunday morning, it's exactly the same. We sort of live very, very separate lives, very like different lives focused on different things and then we we come we we come to to Sunday and that's the 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 holy day that's the the set aside day that's the time we have to worship and that's how we worship through our singing but Paul's saying the opposite to us here he's saying offer your bodies as a living sacrifice this is the true worship God demands all of our lives it's not just obviously just for Sundays and here when he's talking about offer offering your body in reality, if you take away all of earthly possessions, the body is all that we have. The other stuff can be taken away from me, but in the end, 
my body and all the who I am is what God has given me. And that's all who all that I have. And um, yeah, if you, if you, you know, if you're like me, you know, uh, I need to eat food to survive, and I do a very good job of that. Thank you very much. Um, but it's interesting that our whole life isn't this you know, wonderful picture of, of life. We have the difficult bits, we have the mundane bits. Um, and I've tried to use the excuse to jest that, oh, sorry, I didn't do the laundry because I was worshipping God, but it didn't go down very well. <laughs> so, yeah, so God gives us a life, and that, in, in, that means everything in the life, in our lives. And they can all be used in worshipful, worshipful response to him. So if worship is a, is a response, is our response to God, what do these verses tell us about that response? And how do we apply this as, how do we become living sacrifices? I think it starts off with a thankful heart. And at the beginning of the passage, it says, in the view of God's mercy. Um, Jess is very, very strict with curtains. She has a big thing about curtains. She opens and closes them like clockwork. There's not, not one time where I'll, I'll like... The curtain schedule is not followed in our house. Even when we come back, you know, sometimes you come back late from night, late at night, and you haven't like been in there, you haven't closed the curtains. She'll still, I'm knackered, I want to go straight to bed. She'll still make sure all the curtains are closed and that everything looks proper. So in the morning, you can then open the curtains because it's morning. This is the inbuilt schedule of our house. Um, I, on the other hand, are a bit of a cave dweller. Like sometimes if she will go out, go out for the morning, I'll be downstairs at like 1 p.m. and all the curtains are closed, I'm just, I'm just living there in the dark, enjoying uh, my time and she'll come back and accuse me of, of, of uh, yeah, being a, being a cave dweller. But yeah, there's me, I'm just not completely unaware that the curtains need to be opened. But yeah, what God's saying to me in this is that we need to open those curtains to sit first see what God has done for us. And that's how our response is generated. And we begin from a place of being thankful and having a thankful heart. And I think one of the main reasons why we don't shape, sometimes shape our lives around worship is we don't have that time to reflect and to open those curtains and to see what God is doing in our lives. We need these pauses to remember what God's done for us and what God continues to do for us. We need to make sure that those, those times that we realize that and we remember that just aren't on a Sunday. And when we do that, and we have full view of what God has, gone, has done for us, when it says, in the view of God's mercy. Our natural response is, 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 is one of thanks, and we adopt a posture of worship that can last beyond the highs of a Sunday morning. At the beginning of Romans, um, Paul starts talking about non-believers and their approach to not saying thanks. It says, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Now, Paul's not one for mincing words here. It's pretty harsh saying but the contrast between those that know God and those that don't is, is stark here and there's knowing God and we can all know God we can know of God 
and there's internalizing what God has done for us. And Paul says that starts with, that starts with a gratitude for God and it, it's also a glorifying God as well. And if we're to shape our lives as, one, as a life full of worship, we need to continue to reflect this. It starts with that reminder and then goes on to become something new and something different. It starts from receiving from God. We've had an awesome opportunity to do that this morning. It's not going to sustain us for the rest of the week. It starts with opening the unread message from him, from opening the gift that keeps giving and continually applying it to our lives, continually opening that curtain and reminding us of what he's done for us. The second part of this is that our response is all-consuming, all-encompassing, every part of our lives. Um, and uh, I'm a big fan of the message um, translation of this, this passage. So it, it's, yeah, Romans, Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't it wonderful how God, God wants our mundane, our mundane life? Including the bits that we, that we don't think he wants or the bits that we hold back for whatever reason. Our worshipful life starts with recognizing who God is and what he's done for us. Then moves on to a life where we give every part to him in our response. And I love, I love this phrase in this, this, um, these couple of verses. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Isn't that so wonderfully simple? Isn't that what it's all about? And I don't have time to, this morning to unpack what that looks like for your life, but hopefully I'll have an opportunity to come back and start unpacking that in the future. But I know in my life, it means asking myself every day, how is God asking me to show up today? When I'm at work, when I'm at home with Jess and Phoebe, what's God asking me to do? There's what we do in our lives, but there's also how we, how we do it, how we go about things, which have the opportunity to uh, show God's glory. And... We don't always all have the opportunity to serve in very obvious and open ways. Some of us have very normal jobs. Some of us have, have very normal lives. But there's beauty in those moments where God can shine through, which I'm really excited about. So it starts with me asking, how, can, how, how is God asking me to show up today? starts with me giving over the day to him and giving over the small things, the small in insignificant things. It goes into doing the things how I think Jesus would have done it, with, with love, grace, and mercy. 
And as we step into this new vision as a, as a church of what it means to be disciples of Jesus and what it means to disciple others, I think we're going to be shocked about what parts of our lives God will use. And as we have, we have the maturity and we have the opportunity to give those parts of our lives to God, God will use those in surprising ways, which I think we're, it's going to be an exciting time together. Because it, everything means everything. The, and what's part of my sort of long, long journey um, with God is, is to give over the difficult bits. Even when I don't want to do it, even when I think it's un, uh, advantageous for me to sort of keep God out of that bit of my life, which I know is, is foolish, but there's some things where you, you cope and you try and get through things by yourself. 2 Corinthians 12 said, his power is made perfect in weakness. Blessed be your name when there's pain in the offering. The, the difficult parts of our lives, God wants those as well. And they're, 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 parts, they're the parts that we see the most transformation and the most change. But they're probably the parts that God wants to use in us the most as well. And lastly, through God's our, our worship as giving everything of our lives to God, we are transformed. Through our recognition of what, who God is and what he's done, rightfully glorifying and lifting him up, our lives naturally become more and more like Jesus. We can't expect to change the Monday when we only give God the Sunday. But by giving God the Monday, whatever that might look like, whatever pain and difficulty might be in that Monday, only then do we stand a chance of looking like Jesus on Monday. And this radically changes our perception of our lives and everything that's going on. I can assure you that in that transformation, though, the mundane things will still be mundane and the difficulties will still be there. We're not offered a, a life free of difficulty. But with a renewed mind and a discipline of giving God our all, it will feel very, very different. And through this, our actions will look different to the world as well, which is why, why God has called us here to be transformed, to change, and to reflect glory back to him. And by fixing our focus on God, when our lives are changed, the world that our lives interact with is, is changed as well. And this is the part where Paul is saying, do not be conformed. Rather, our world is transformed through God, through us, rather than the other way around. Um, any tennis fans? Uh, I watched quite a lot of the Wimbledon highlights this year. And one of the, um, uh, yeah, I'll, and I'll just finish with this. One of the things that stood out to me is um, how on earth anyone returns like a super fast serve to them. It's just crazy how they can kind of read where it's going to go. And sometimes they can only just muster enough energy just to sort of reach out as far as they can and just, you know, just like reflect the shot. They're not putting any power in it, putting all their effort into just getting to where the ball's going to be and just providing the racket there and hoping that the shot lands just through the, the power of the shot being reflected back. 
and the commentators talk about their response to serves. How do you respond to a serve? And a lot of the time my worship looks like this. Where my worship is just wow. All I can muster when God's serving me 120 miles an hour serve. All I can do is stretch out and just try and reach it. And all I can do is reflect back to God what he's given to me. There's no, I'm not doing anything there. I'm just, I'm just there and I'm just reflecting what God's given. But after some time playing with God, watching where God wants me to be, I can start to put some direction into that, into that return. I've learned from God. I know where, he's going, where he wants me to be. And I can put my energy into a better return and to direct what God's given me where he wants me to direct it. i just finished with this psalm, which I, I love. Psalm 29, verse, um, verse 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I love the, I love the word ascribe here. It just, just speaks of just giving God what, what, he, what, what he's owed, what he, what he demands, what he's eligible for and deserves. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I'll just uh, pray to, to close. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us. And thank you for the all that you're doing in our lives. And I pray that this morning that our response tomorrow will be as pleasing to you as our response today. Lord, as we go out from this special place, back into the ordinary, back into the mundane, back into the difficult, I pray that we'll have the faith to give it all to you as an offering of praise and worship. And Father, as we offer this to you, continue to transform us so we know that is what is pleasing in your sight. Amen.